Hey, I'm Sam. And I'm Lizzie. And we're queer people who love movies. This is Subtextual. All right, folks, we're back. Part two of the best movie we've ever seen. Well, it's kind of strong, but... It's up there. It's up there. It's up there. If you're coming after the first part, thank you so much for joining us again. We could wax poetic on this topic for hours, so we're glad that you're here with us. If you, for some reason, want to hear even more of this, you could subscribe to our Patreon. Uh, there's some cool stuff on there. You can find it at patreon.com slash subtextualpod. We got merch. We got bonus episodes. We got all sorts of crazy shit. Yeah. Um, we're about to get even more merch so just uh, stand by for that yep and you get to see our faces over there um because we have those and if you don't want to support through patreon or you can't or you just don't feel like it that's totally fine the fact that you're listening right now is like crazy honestly how, how what are you doing here <laughs> how did you find us here um yeah so in the first part of everything everywhere all at once we went over some key things about the production and really jumped into the film lizzie can you tell me what was in the last episode Previously on Everything Everywhere All at Once. Previously seen on some textual podcast. Um, so we met our main character, Evelyn, as well as her husband, Wayman, and their daughter, Joy. And Evelyn had just learned that she is basically the key to saving the world from Jobu Tapaki, an omnipotent, an omniscient being who plans to destroy the universe, who also incidentally is her daughter, Joy, from another reality. And so Evelyn is jumping between multiverses to gain power, but her mind is beginning to fracture, and she is spit out into a universe similar to our own during a movie premiere, and we end with the credits. <laughs> and it was over. Uh, that fake out was really good. It was really satisfying. Um, and then we, as the credits roll, we see that Evelyn is actually in her celebrity universe again, and they're watching the movie that she stars in in that universe. Very good. Just so well done. Mwah. LOL. Honestly, I was like, ah, wait, is it over? <laughs> uh, no. Uh, so at this point, we're seeing Evelyn switch between her fractured lives with almost no control. We see Hibachi Evelyn walk in on Rakakuni. Rakakuni is actually voiced by Randy Newman. What? <laughs> Why? It's a nod at Pixar. Okay. <laughs> yep. God, they fucking thought of everything. I know. Uh, and uh, Rakakuni attempts to kill her. <laughs> Just, I love that fucking scene. I know. Now we're cooking. <laughs> Hot Dog Fingers Deirdre attempts to have dinner with Evelyn, but it looks like their relationship is a little bit on the rocks. Just a reminder, folks, that button is what we like to call the weep button. Uh, it's to indicate any time the film made us cry. And we've heard it a lot in the first episode. We'll probably hear it even more in this part. Um, but yeah, this part really did make me cry because we get to see this like other faction of Deirdre who's just like being rejected. Mm -hmm. And like it just made our all the more poignant for me with like Joy just like kind of struggling through her family's acceptance and stuff. So... I cried, okay? Fuck it. So what I cried? So what? What are you going to do about it? <laughs> so Evelyn eventually lands in a similar universe, very similar to present day that on the first watch, I kind of thought it was the same one. At the end, it was getting a little confusing. But now that I've seen it a couple of times, it is just an adjacent universe. So we're going to call that the adjacent verse. Mm -hmm. And that's the universe we get to see the New Year's party happen in. And once Evelyn lands there, that is the end of everything. Mm-hmm. And now we're in everywhere. 
everywhere. Ah, this movie's so good. This is where the the tears really come in this part, you guys. Hell yeah, they do. So we see that the New Year the New Year's party is about to start, and they're getting their paperwork together for Deirdre. Evelyn sees this universe's Joy, who is quickly controlled by Jobu Tupaki. Uh, Jobu and Evelyn begin flying between universes, and Jobu explains to Evelyn the immenseness of the world. This is also where we kind of figure out that she's not actually there to kill Evelyn. She's there for, like, a much sadder reason. She's like, basically, I want to, I guess, like, just talk to someone about all the shit that I know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't actually want to kill you. Yeah. It's really sweet and weird and complicated, <laughs> just like the rest of this fucking movie. <laughs> Um, in the Alphaverse, Evelyn meets the bagel worshippers, and we see the big, huge bagel. Um, Jobu explains to Evelyn how difficult it is to have Evelyn as a mother in any of the universes, and that Evelyn is destined to be fractioned forever, with no chance of returning to any universe or living normally. Jobu says she wasn't looking for a special Evelyn to kill her, yeah, but to find another being that could feel what she feels. So it's kind of beautiful that, like, Evelyn on her own... In like an act of wanting to save her daughter, chose to fracture her own mind. Mm-hmm. You know, it is like, for once, it is Evelyn kind of doing the right thing. You know, because it was Alpha Evelyn who pushed Jobu to become this thing that they are. This like all-awaring, omniscient being that like basically destroyed them. Um, and like try to get on their level. And I think that's really sweet. Yeah, I think... Y- we see Evelyn's attempts with Joy as a real marker that she is special. Yeah. As Jobu is saying this, Evelyn becomes sentient in all of her fractured universe and begins to regain her control. In the celebrity universe, celebrity Evelyn and celebrity Wayman are chatting behind the theater. And this is where we get that real nod to Wong Kar Wai. Because in previous scenes in this universe, it just looked like regular clean, whatever. Mm-hmm. But now that they're in this alleyway, we really get those like heavy, heavy references, especially to Wong Kar Wai's film In the Mood for Love. Yes. So beautiful. We see like the dialogue is similar, the cinematography, color grading, even like the choppy motion is there. Yeah. The like Uh, skip frame kind of thing that he does. Yeah. So funnily enough, In the Mood for Love was released in the year 2000 and Kihi Kwan was Wong's assistant director for the sequel. Wait, really? Yeah. Which is titled 2046. Oh, that's so sad. (laughs) He wanted to be an actor and he was a fucking assistant director. But come on, fucking for Wong Kar Wai? Like, that's That's awesome. That's true. That's true. That's incredible. I wonder if he read the script and was like, hey, I see what you're doing there. (laughs) Yeah, no, totally. Like, the direct reference is a really nice nod. Just for your guys' information, we're jumping a lot in this next part. So um, just really strap in for this. In the hot dog verse, hot dog Deirdre is leaving hot dog Evelyn. That killed me. In the celebrity verse, celebrity Evelyn kisses celebrity Waymond. In the adjacent verse, adjacent Evelyn signs the divorce papers and Deirdre enters and begins to seize the laundromat. Uh, Like, how are they able to, like, they keep the momentum going in all these different universes and like the ebb and flow of like when she's in success mode and when she's in like downward spiral, spiral mode are just very fluid. Yeah, her, her her emotions remain in step along these yeah. universes' paths, which I think is really beautiful and hard to do in a way that doesn't seem gimmicky, and they completely pulled it off. Yeah. Uh, Evelyn finally comes back to our universe after she's possessed her full power, and she stabs Waymond. This is the only part that didn't make sense to me. Yeah, that, that moment, I, I agree. It's weird that she stabs Waymond there, but then also... 
I, I forgot to bring this up earlier in our last episode when um, Gong Gong tells them to kill Jobu Tabaki. Mm. And you kind of know that she's not going to do it, but I don't know. I feel like the they lingered too long on that. That's like the only scene that I didn't really like where it mm. seemed like Evelyn was, I have to kill Jobu Tabaki in this universe so that she can't come through. But yeah, about this moment, Lizzie, do you have any ideas why, like why, why is she stabbing Waymond here? My only like, because this is kind of like the down spiral of Evelyn's character where she's kind of giving over to the nihilism that her daughter has succumbed to as Jobu Tapaki. So I guess my only guess would be like in this kind of like fit of nihilism, she's like, well, maybe it's a better ending for him because I think she kind of guesses what's going to happen next is like they're going to keep fighting and maybe hmm. he'll be killed or, or him, maybe he'll get in the way or something like that. Like she's like simultaneously falling out of love with this character. And, and this isn't like the real Wayman in her head. And maybe she's having trouble discerning who's the real Wayman. So I kind of I didn't question it too much. Like I kind of just figured this is a low point. Like, let's just follow through the low point. And she's making like these decisions she would never do in real life. Like she wouldn't actually sign the divorce papers. You know what I mean? But she's kind of giving over to that nihilistic nothing matters kind of feeling. That That's my guess. Yeah. Like it was more of a mercy. I think that's I mean, I couldn't figure it out. But I think after you explaining it as more of like, I'm I can feel it going down and maybe I'll just want to take you out of this equation. That's the only thing that can kind of make sense, but it still kind of, it still feels odd to me. That's the yeah. only thing in this whole movie that I couldn't really place. Yeah, I guess the reason they did it is because they needed him to not be able to f- also join the fight against Jobu Tupaki up the stairway mm-hmm. for the rest of that like sequence. My only guess. Yeah, I'm fine with it. It would have been better if he had just been like speared by someone else, but. You think I'm trying to give these people notes? Yeah. No. We'll take it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, in the Hibachiverse, Rakakuni is taken away by animal services. This is this is like Lizzie saying, we're on the downbeat right now. In the adjacent verse, adjacent Evelyn takes a baseball bat to the laundromat windows. In the rock verse, oh, oh. I fucking love this universe. Fuck. This was such a great time for just like a total pause. Mm-hmm. Evelyn and Jobu are rocks looking over a canyon. Rock Evelyn tells Rock Jobu, she's sorry about everything. Hit it. Hit it for me, too. Like, the first time I saw this, like, sitting in the theater watching a screen of, like, literally two rocks and subtitles just, like, weeping. Mm -hmm. I was like, what? Like, I am being strung along here so hard. I was simultaneously fucking dripping with tears and laughing out loud because the dialogue really just speaks for itself and obviously rocks can't emote but you can feel with how much context you get for these characters you can really feel what they're trying to say yeah (sighs) i've never seen something quite like that in a movie and it was so effective so effective rock jobu tells rock evelyn that she was hoping that evelyn would tell her there is another way oh see this is when it starts getting really 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 sad because like, you basically start to learn progressively and then all at once that, like, Jobu is suicidal mm-hmm. and, like, just wants to end it. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, devastating for where we are in the world right now because, like, I mean, so many... Like, I I can't be the only person out here, like, nihilistic as fuck some days. Like, wow, the universe is massive. Literally nothing I do matters. And, like, sometimes it's very joyous and sometimes it's, like... Like, literally, do I matter? Like, does anything matter? I feel worthless. And 
to like see this character succumbing to that is like really, really relatable. And it just made me really sad for like our generation and like our world for all the people alive today, because I think it's way too relatable. Yeah, Yeah. that knowledge of the vastness of the universe is both freeing and paralyzing in a way that like Jobu is operating in one or the other. And like you're saying, it's it's really relatable. And in the Alphaverse, Jobu tells Evelyn she made the bagel to see if she could actually die. Yeah. Uh, Rather than jumping to death into the bagel, Evelyn continues to go back to these other universes. And in the adjacent verse, we see that adjacent Wayman has gotten Deirdre to grant them an extension. Yeah. And then we get, I'm sorry, but we're going to have to, in the celebrity verse, celebrity Wayman and Evelyn share a moment where Wayman says, you think I'm weak, don't you? Oh, start crying. I'm not going to cry until I get it out. (laughs) You think I'm weak, don't you? You tell me that it's a cruel world. I know that. When I choose to see the good in things, I'm not being naive. It's strategic and necessary. It's how I've learned to survive through everything. I know you see yourself as a fighter. I do too. This is how I fight. And as this is happening in the IRS lobby, Wayman urges Evelyn to be kind. And we see Evelyn and Wayman's love flash by in like an instant. And then celebrity Wayman says, so even though you've broken my heart yet again, I wanted to say in another life, I would have really liked just doing tax. I would have really liked just doing laundry and taxes with you. How dare you? Weeping. When I say now, then forever weeping, because it's like, it's the only answer that makes sense here. The response to that nihilism that is so hard. Like the lesson that Wayman is saying is like what I need to hear. The feeling I get whenever I feel like Jobu Tupaki, that's like, honestly, most of my days. It was a lot during the pandemic, and it's, I thought with the end of the pandemic, it would go away, but it truly hasn't. It's like followed, you know, and it's something that we've all, I've been thinking for a long time, but it's like the perfect response, like that hope and that like, this is the way to fight, to like keep being kind and to keep loving. Like that is the only thing that we can do for each other is like, just exist and be kind. Mm-hmm. Like, there is no other option other than jumping into the bagel. And, like, that's not a real solution. Yeah. It really is just a beautiful moment, like you're saying, where Jobu's already at the end of her line. She's accepted that nothing matters. And we see that Evelyn is on that same trajectory to reach that place. But she has this moment here with with Waymond where I think she really... I think she, yeah, it's just beautiful. It's just, it's so beautiful. And like, just reading it back really made me cry because the dialogue is just so stunning. Okay, Lizzie, are you ready for another question? I guess I'm going to get it wrong. Fuck. Uh, Okay. Folks, if you remember from last episode, I'm doing a little quiz game with Lizzie here to teach her a little bit about our queen, Michelle Yeoh. So Lizzie, how many languages does Michelle Yeoh speak? How many languages are there on Earth? Just kidding. Okay. English, uh, maybe Cantonese, maybe Mandarin, and maybe one more for good luck. Five. Michelle Yeoh speaks three languages, English, Malay, and Cantonese. Wow. For the shooting of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, directed by Ang Lee, Yeoh took... Incredible. Oof! Yeoh took a year off before filming to learn Mandarin. Okay. Right? Well, sure. A very difficult language to learn. Yeah, no, it totally. Oh, it's amazing. Hey, cheers. All right, back to the story. 
So okay. after we get this beautiful, heartfelt monologue from Waymond, adjacent Evelyn and adjacent Waymond embrace in the laundromat. Back in our universe in the IRS lobby, Jobu invokes the bagel and chaos ensues. Evelyn urges Jobu to come back with her. We also see adjacent Evelyn and Deirdre talk, and Deirdre confines in Evelyn that she believes she's unlovable. Yeah. And then this is when Evelyn in our universe starts making her way up the stairs and defeating all these agents, but she defeats them with love. Yeah. So we get a flash of hot dog Evelyn and hot dog Deirdre's love as they're like playing the piano with their feet and just loving each other so tenderly. Claire de Lune's a great choice. Like who doesn't want to cry at Claire de Lune? So beautiful. And they would make a lovely hot dog couple. They do. They do have some like beautiful chemistry. I like that universe as well. Yeah. And then at the stairs, when Deirdre is confronting Evelyn, Evelyn embraces Deirdre and Deirdre collapsed, defeated by love. <sighs> we also see that Alpha Gong Gong is now on Jobu's side for some fucking reason. Or he wants oh, her to... Oh, no. He wants to let Jobu jump herself. into the bagel. Or he wants oh, her to... word, 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 word. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he's not on Jobu's side specifically. He's just trying to stop Evelyn from stopping Jobu. Exactly. Copy, copy. Okay. Yeah. So... Evelyn, at this moment, turns a bullet that should have hit her in the head into a googly eye. And <laughs> we see that rock Evelyn has googly eyes as well. Okay, the googly eyes. Strong choice. Yeah, so in the beginning of the film, we see that <laughs> Wayman has decorated things in their apartment with googly eyes to, like, lighten the mood of yeah. their house and be really sweet and cute. But I also have heard theories that, like, the googly eye is an inverse of an everything bagel. Like, they share the shape and the colors, but their colors are inverted. Shut up. And I'm like, God, shut the fuck up. Everyone, that, shut up. Do you think that's real or is that just a coincidence and people are making things up? I bet it's real. So multi, multi-purpose. But just like the joy you get from a googly eye. Like, look at these little fucking things. They're so fucking cute. They make everything... You hear that? <laughs> they make everything better. Uh, so now Evelyn has embraced... Her love of life, so to speak, with this googly eye, and she begins to fight all the rest of Jobu's agents with love, jumping into each agent's alternate dimensions and defeating them with love all the way up the stairs. Um, in the adjacent verse, ad adjacent Gong Gong tells adjacent Evelyn that she's not his daughter. Ugh. I know, downbeat again. In the celebrity verse, celebrity women tells Evelyn, give it up. He who loves the most regrets the most. Let's not live in fantasy. In our universe, Alpha Gong Gong urges Evelyn to let Jobu go. Evelyn says, I'm no longer willing to do to my daughter what you did to me. How did you let me go? How on earth did you do it so easily? <sighs> Fucking shit. Oh, yeah. Uh, and but this is such a great, like, I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, wow, I'm getting like this up and down, up and down of time is like really exhausting to watch. But I was on the ride, but... As I've gotten a grasp of the story, I can see like this is the testing moment. Like the first down was to get her to the learning moment of seeing how Wayman fights, quote unquote. And then this was like the testing moment of like, are you going to be able to apply that mm -hmm. even when things are hard? Because she has Jobu Tapaki behind her the whole time saying like, this is just a statistical anomaly. Like this good feeling will pass. This moment of connection is going to pass. and You're going to get back to the nothingness again. So this is like that testing moment for Evelyn and she, you know, continues forward and it's really inspirational. Yeah. This film's take on generational trauma is really beautiful. And we are talking about how she can't do right by joy. Like she physically just can't, but we'll see that that ball was set in motion by 
this disjointed connection that she has with her father. Yeah. And so she's going back and she's fixing that too because she's amazing. Yeah. And in the adjacent verse, Evelyn tells her father, it's okay if you can't be proud of me because I finally am. And she refers to Joy saying, you may see in her all of your greatest fears squeezed into one person. I spent most of her childhood hoping she wouldn't end up like me, but she turned out to be stubborn, aimless, a mess, just like her mother. But now I see it's okay she's a mess because just like me, the universe gave her someone kind, patient, and forgiving to make up for all she lacks. Jesus. Ugh. How can it like hit me and I'm not even watching it? Just like talking about it. As Evelyn is saying this, she's looking at Waymond and then she grabs Becky. <laughs> I want closure with my family. Oh, my God. Oh, man. We all need to go to therapy. Oh, God. It's like they studied my life and they were like, how do we fuck this person up? (laughs) Oh, my God. And so Evelyn introduces adjacent Gong Gong to adjacent Becky as Joy's girlfriend. Oh. Okay. Now that we're talking about Gong Gong, are you ready for another question? Yes. Hit me. Okay. James Hong and Michelle Yeoh have worked together on a film before, more than 10 years before this. Which film was that? I'll give you a hint. It's okay. it's animated. Kung Fu Panda? Shut up. That's right. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, there's no way it's me fucking Kung Fu Panda. Kung Fu Panda 2. <laughs> 2. Oh, my God. Work. Yo played Soothsayer and Hong played Mr. Ping. I was looking into Cute. James Hong because I've seen him in everything, and he has over 650 titles under his belt. He's, like, considered the most prolific living actor of our time. Holy fuck. Isn't that insane? 600 and, like, how many? Yeah, that's insane. Good I him. literally couldn't even just find a few to name because there's so many. I hope this one is the one that people name from now on. <laughs> I really like him in Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> He's, he plays the, the pig, dad. right? No, he plays the oh. duck that raises Kung Fu Panda. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I think I need to revisit Kung Fu Panda. Absolutely, you should. Um, in our universe, Alpha Gong Gong finally releases Evelyn, and Evelyn is able to stop Joe Boo from taking her final step into the bagel. Jobu and Evelyn fight through multiple universes, but Evelyn is simply blocking Jobu rather than hurting her. Jobu says, the bagel is where we finally find peace, Evelyn. And Evelyn says, stop calling me Evelyn, and rebuffs Jobu with her little pinky. And she says, I am your mother. Sorry, I can't not say that, like, from hereditary. Don't you ever raise your voice at me. I am your mother. (laughs) I am your mother. Um... Evelyn embraces Jobu to stop her from jumping into the bagel, and she is secured by Alpha Gongon and Wayman. So they like make this little link and they hold Jobu back. Oh, oh. their love. <laughs> what their love? <laughs> their fucking love, dude. I'm fucking sick to my stomach. <laughs> I've literally not stopped crying this whole time. Like, I'm once crying, we start going I'm up sweating. the stairs, yeah, <laughs> crying and sweating, <laughs> cursing, eating a bagel. Ah. <sighs> Jobu says, can you please just stop? And we end in the adjacent universe and Evelyn follows Joy into the parking lot. Adjacent Joy begs Evelyn to just let her go. In that moment, Evelyn releases Jobu just as she's falling into the bagel. I have a scene to show you. Oh, fuck. I'm sorry. I literally, I'm so sorry. I'm, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. You are getting fat. And you never call me, even though we have a family plan. What? And it's free. You only visit when you need something. 
You got a tattoo, and I don't care if it's supposed to represent our family. You know I hate tattoos. And of all the places I could be, why would I want to be here with you? Yes, you're right. It doesn't make sense. Evelyn, let her finish. Maybe it's like you said. Maybe there is something out there, some new discovery that will make us feel like even small pieces of shit. Something that explains why you still went looking for me through all of this noise. And why, no matter what, I still want to be here with you. Always, always want to be here with you. Here, all we get are a few specks of time where any of this actually makes any sense. Then I will cherish these few specks of time. Okay, I'm hitting this bell like I'm tapping out of a fight over <laughs> like, here. Get me out of here. It's too much. Uh, Lizzie, can you tell me a little bit about that scene? Uh, <laughs> fuck. It like makes you want to call your mom and also makes you want to like jump off a cliff at the same time. So it's kind of like the bookend scene to the one at the very beginning where Evelyn follows Joy out to the parking lot to her car as Joy stormed off and, and at that moment says not the right thing. But in this moment, she finally does get to say the right thing. And um, you can tell, like, she's not talking to adjacent Joy. She's talking to the Jobu Tapaki Joy, the everything Joy. And just gets to be honest with her in a way that I really appreciate. And you don't really hear parents in real life, at least I don't, or parents in movies talk this openly about like how hard it is to have kids and how much like, you know, we as children have all these traumas against held against our parents, but our parents probably have traumas held against us as well. And like, just, they just get to be honest with each other and kind of get to air some of the things they haven't been able to say to each other, to each other's faces. And it's like a really, 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 really well-performed scene by both of these actresses. It's so beautiful. It's Michelle so Yeoh's... Perfect. Uh, both of their execution is just so in the style of their characters and so really well done. And Jobu at the end of this interaction says, why would you want to stay? All we get is like these little specks of time. And after the scene ends, we see these specks of time in all the universes, like the happiest moments of all these things. So we see like hot dog Evelyn and hot dog Deirdre in love. Mm -hmm. She finally rescues Rakakuni. Mm -hmm. Gong Gong and Becky connect. Celebrity Evelyn and celebrity Wayman give it another chance. And um, ugh, it's just so beautiful. And also it highlights, we haven't barely talked about many of the technical aspects of this film, but the score in this scene is so gentle. It's not distracting. It's not overly leading. It's just like, just kind of like adding salt to 
the performance and just like enhancing it a little bit more. It's very subtle and very quiet. And, you know, it, it can be more loud and heavy handed throughout the film. But at this moment, I find it to be just like, ah. beautiful, delicious yeah. dish. Delicious. So uh, Jobu reaches out of the bagel that she entered and Evelyn and Joy embrace. Evelyn tells Joy they can do whatever they want because nothing matters. Yeah. It's freeing sometimes when it's not making you want to just like lay in bed face down on the pillow. <laughs> so now we're at all at once. <sighs> we're at the final chapter and we see the family is getting their paperwork ready for the IRS. Back at the IRS building, <laughs> as they're getting dropped out of the car, Evelyn tells Becky... You need to grow your hair. <laughs> it's like, oh, she loves Becky. Yeah, she loves her, doesn't she? As they enter the IRS building, Evelyn and Wayman share a kiss. Okay, a moment that we skipped earlier that made me cry was when they're entering the lobby the first time and Wayman sees that, like, older couple kiss. And it was just like... <laughs> yeah, and then I, I forgot about that too, but in the elevator, he asks... when the, This is the first time when they're going up because he sees that older couple kiss and it's so sweet. Uh, and then uh, in the elevator, he asks her, do you want to go? We should, maybe we should take a vacation. And she says, that's like the furthest thing from my mind. I don't want to think about anything else. And to me, it's like he was like, because he's holding the divorce papers and he's like thinking like, no, 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 I can give it like, I believe in her. I have hope. And then he's like kind of lost, losing hope at every moment. Yeah. But now uh, to call back to the moment when he sees the old couple, um, she kisses him, right? Is that what happens in this mm -hmm. scene? Yeah, so he's good. like, I have to go to the bathroom. And she's like, let me hold your fanny pack. And then they kiss, <laughs> which is like, oh. intimacy can be those simple acts of like, oh, let me just hold that for you. Yeah, uh, like this little tiny little kiss. Uh, so Deirdre says their paperwork is improving. And as they're sat in her cubicle, we get the final scene. And we notice that Evelyn is skipping through dimensions in her mind, but then snaps back to reality. Oh, chill bumps. If I could, this final scene, I mean, there's a moment, like I said, where she's flashing through these universes and she's hearing all the pleasant sounds of them and those experiences. Mm -hmm. And it reminds me of the end of another film. Mm -hmm. Can I show you that clip? Yes, please. Goodbye, Sarah. And remember, fair maiden, should you need us? Yes, should you need us for any reason at all. I need you, Hoggle. You, you do? I don't know why, but every now and again in my life, for no reason at all, I need you. All of you. Oh, you do? Well, why didn't you say so? You know who I need? The Goblin King. <laughs> I just uh, <laughs> I just showed Lizzie the final scene from Labyrinth. Um, spoiler alert, but that movie's fucking old, so you probably should have seen it by now. Um, but at the, at the end of Labyrinth, um, where Jennifer Connelly's character saves her, her little brother Toby and comes back to her reality, she sat in her room, I guess, wondering if any of it even happened and, and missing these characters, all these beautiful people that she just met and not knowing where to place it. And she looks up from the mirror and one of the characters say, like, should you ever need us? Uh, and this this part of this movie makes me fucking cry every time. Because it's like, oh just because we come back to our reality, 
one, it doesn't invalidate any of the things that just happened because, you know, they happen in realities that aren't circumstantial to this moment. But it also means like Evelyn's not going to stop thinking about these people and these experiences that she had. Mm -hmm. And they're not just going to go away, but she can access them and then come back. Yeah. And then choose to be, just like she said, choose to be here with joy. Ugh. Fucking no. No. With a budget of $25 million, it surpassed A24's highest grossing film, Hereditary, grossing over $100 million worldwide at the box office. Fucking justice. Oh, this film is so satisfying. The more I learn about it, the more fucking satisfied I am with it. I think A24 at this point is like, we have to have the words, I am your mother in every (laughs) script. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It'll probably be in the fucking Pearl, the like X sequel is coming out. Don't taint this episode talking about Pearl or X. Yeah, you're right. You're right. (laughs) Scratching it from the record. A critical and commercial success. Many people regard it as the film of the year. It's like the film of the decade. It's like the film of my life. Like, did people feel this excited about, like, Goodfellas and The Godfather? You know what I mean? Like, did it do as much for them as this film has done for me? Because if so, I totally get it. I don't think people walk out of The Godfather being like, I should call my mom. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. After this one, I was like, I should call my therapist. (laughs) (laughs) It is one of only three films to ever hold the number one spot in the official Letterboxd top 250 feature film list. The other two being Parasite and The Godfather. Hell yeah. And I like this film better than both of those. Parasite is a fantastic film, but after that movie ended... I was like, I need to wait a really long time before I watch that again. Yeah. And also, I want noodles. <laughs> <laughs> Wagyu beef? Yeah, right. <laughs> so what do, you, what do we think? Do, are we smelling an Oscar nom? Again. I swear to God. I'm going to get so mad because something's going to get snubbed. Like, even if they get some Oscars, it won't be enough. Every single one. Every, Every single, single one. person deserves the acting nomination. Oh, yeah. 100%. Oh, God. If Michelle Yeoh gets fucking snubbed, oh. fucking robbed. What, what are the comp- what's the competition? I'm just thinking. Because this was like in a... I just feel like... It's hard to know now being yeah. summer. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen that many phenomenal films that were this year releases. Yeah. You know, and I've been going to the theaters. I mean, I'm sure there are some good ones, but this one... Can't beat it. It's like one of the first films... I saw the year, and it's easily the best. Uh, it's fantastic. And all, funnily enough, a little Easter egg, because this movie is chock full of them. There is a scene where Jobu and Evelyn are fighting, kind of towards the beginning when they first start getting into altercations, where Jobu has, like, they're in a forest, and Jobu is going to attack Evelyn with a weapon, and the weapon in her hand keeps changing into, like, a machete, a chainsaw, or whatever. And at one second for one frame, it's an Oscar. <laughs> Shut up. Someone like freeze framed it or something. Yeah. You could see Jobu or Stephanie Shu holding an Oscar. Let's manifest the future. Let's manifest Manifest this shit. Yeah, because Michelle Yeoh understandably gets so much credit for this because she was absolutely amazing. And Ki Kwan, again, same thing. But Stephanie Shu, God Damn. damn. To switch, like to play Jobu to Paki is like a humongous feat because you have to kind of be detached from real present human emotion she has to be tapped into literally every emotion of like a normal teenage existence and then the emotion of an omniscient powerful being yeah you know what i mean 
Daniel said that when Stephanie Hsu came into audition, they had already worked with her before on a show called Nora from Queens. And they said it was it was incredible to have her come in audition because they hadn't seen anything like it, that she was oscillating between all these moods of like getting the script wrong, breaking character to make fun of them, getting back in character and performing perfectly. <laughs> stuff like that. They're like, well, is it... Is Lee Michelle acting like Rachel Berry or is Lee Michelle Rachel Berry? Yeah, kind of who situation. came first? Yeah, chicken or the egg? I'm gonna raise your acting nominations and also put out a screenplay nomination, a director mm-hmm. nomination, a production design, editing, editing cinematography potentially, costumes. score, costumes. It it hits every everything. single mark. I can't think of something it doesn't hit. VFX? VFX. Can we talk about VFX? Every fucking shot was VFX, and they all looked amazing. Apparently, the team was really small. It was between, like, five or eight individuals who did it. Yeah. People that they've been working with for a long, long time. Uh, So good. Guys, I'm fucking wrecked. Um, (laughs) Also, here's a little gift for you, Lizzie. I know it's not your birthday. For me? So, filming has officially wrapped on a Disney Channel Plus television show titled American Born Chinese... Starring Stephanie Hsu, Kiki Kwan, ah! and Michelle Yeoh. No! Yes, they're all in it. Wait, in, just by happenstance or? They picked good people. I don't know. They're all in it. Whoa! And they're the only ones tied to it right now. Like on the IMDb page, they're the, <gasps> they're the main characters. Oh, yes. So I'm hoping they're a family again. That would make me very happy. That would also make me very happy. Let's score this. Fucking bagel. Fuck. Sucked into a bagel. All right. So how the subtextual score works is we each get to rate the movie on how gay is it and how good is it on a scale out of 10. We then average those numbers to get a single subtextual score. Yes, baby. Let's go. So Lizzie, I've got to ask you, how gay is it? 10. All right. So I've been going back and forth on this. My... I know what you're saying. Lizzie's rolling her eyes. But my gay score is very easy. Is there gay sex? At first, I said no. But I don't know how people with hot dog fingers fuck. And they definitely put their hot dogs in each other's mouth. That's how they do it. You think so? That's how they do it. That's the sex. The slapping of the legs is the foreplay. And then the insertion is the sex. Then it's going to have to be a 10. All right. Okay, Lizzie, how good is it? It's a 10. I don't even have to think. It's yeah. a 10. This is, is this our first all 10 tenorator movie? Wait, what are you giving like, it? I think Carol was a straight 10. Was it straight 10? Yeah, I was thinking like Carol's like one of the top ones. Yeah, the only one to receive a perfect, I thought it said happiest season. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> the only other film to receive a perfect 10 subtextual score is Carol. So and this film is better than that film. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I would watch this so many more times than I'll watch Carol. Absolutely. So does that mean, what is your, your rating for this? How good is it, Sam? Did I not say? No. It's a 10. <laughs> it's going to be a 10. So I'm not super duper good at math, but I think I can do this one in my head. Yep. The subtextual score if this movie is a 10. 10, 10, 10, 10. Easy. I didn't even have to think. No, I didn't have to think, except for the hot dog sex. I did have to think for that. Just a little bit. Yeah. Any final thoughts, Lizzie? You know, like, I don't have too many final thoughts. I feel like I've said almost everything. So I guess I just have, like, a reiteration that I really think that this is the film to define our time, like, this time, today, and how 
I've been feeling lately and just from what I can tell all the people in my life that have seen it and loved it, like how universally relatable it is on a billion different levels. So I just really hope anyone out there, if you have not seen it, it's not even spoiled. Like we've just told you everything that happens, but there's, it's so much more than that. So I really encourage every human being to see it at least once. And I kind of want to watch it with my mom and see what she thinks. Yeah. I'm watching this with my parents when I go home for Christmas. Like Lizzie was saying, every person is going to have a different experience with this film. We only, only touched the tip of the iceberg. So please, we'll give you our login. You can fucking, we have, (laughs) we bought it. So you can fucking watch it. Or if you need help watching it, please let us know. Um, Because I think everybody should. Before we head out today, Lizzie, I have a final gift for you. Another present? (laughs) Lizzie, I think, did you fail the trivia? Hold on. I got one right. You got two right, I think. I did? Yeah. Yeah, I got two right. I was planning for you to get more right so I could give you a gift, but you didn't. But you deserve a gift. Here's a conciliatory prize. (laughs) Yes. All right. I'm going to show Lizzie a video taken from an interview with Michelle Yeoh, who describes her experience reading the script for this film. Because when I read the script, I thought, this is something, oh dear. No, this is something I've been waiting for, for a long time. That's going to give me the opportunity to show my fans, my family, my audience, what I'm capable of. To be funny, to be real, to be sad. Finally, somebody understood that I can do all these things. Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to keep this content ad-free, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash subtextualpod. See you next week.